Welcome back to Set the Table. I am John, and with me is Jack. How's it going, eh? And this is episode 24 for December 3rd, 2020. Uh, episode 24, uh, we're going to talk about deific interference and divine intervention, the role that deities play in our campaigns. Um, I guess we'll do the recap. Uh, 7C is interesting. I I feel like maybe I was a little snarky in my written recap here, but uh, it feels like a lot of what we did in the past turned out to not have a tremendous impact on the future. Um, I mean, it did, because we could do the thing that we did in the future now, but at the same time, the things that we tried to do were not the goals that we should have been thinking about. Um, and I almost wish that I had just kept my my first character in there, because he would love this. Yeah, it's kind of weird, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Well, you said it was going to be all magic-y, and I thought that meant magic positive, not magic negative. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, there's a lot of magical things going on. Like the the village is is magic, so you can't go there unless you've been there before. Yeah, but that's probably just the the countess's deal, so that she doesn't have to deal with unexpected guests. Yes, yes, it is. Well, right. I don't know. We should have prevented the that. Sorte Strega, who, um. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I did sell it wrong. That's uh, That could be definitely on me. I don't know that it was sold wrong. I think maybe I, I misinterpreted the... Maybe Hamish was there for the wrong reasons. I don't know. It's good. The story is tremendous. And I feel like Kristen's really coming into her swing, finally, which I, I like a lot. Yes, and and it's and I, I, the, I'm almost sad that we probably only have two or three sessions left. You know, I will be glad for the break, but we'll also end up playing some werewolf or something later on. So, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about that too, though. Yeah, and my and my other, and I'll get I'll talk about that when I get to my recap with the other. No, go go ahead. So so my my Monday night five E group is playing the same adventure path, seventh C adventure path, um, and they. Uh, they have gone a different route than the first group, which is great. It, it's giving me a tremendous amount of uh, information and feedback and, and story validation because they also are really enjoying the story. Mm-hmm. Um, they they tried to uh, capture the one of the villains being a villain uh, red-handed, and they kind of did it. Um, and they exposed her, and now she is in the jail. Actually, she got bailed out by her boyfriend, uh, who she's still trying to get to marry her. Um, and now they are working on the the another villain. There's 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 a minor villain and a major villain in the story, and now they're working mm-hmm. on the major villain. Uh, he's not. He's supposed to be an artist, but he's lying to people, so they tricked him into painting something. And signing it, uh, they they had friggin' almost nine raises. Yeah, nine raises nice. in that panic sequence. Nine raises. And I was like, okay, 
So he is going to, this villain is going to do something stupid. Uh, so he did a painting. It's terrible. He signed his name. And as soon as he realized what he had done, he threw it away. Uh, and the students of the school, this takes place in a boarding school, art school. Uh, the students have found it and they, they're hanging it up now. So, right, it was hanging up in the, uh, in the big, the great hall, the dining hall um, the next morning. And the, the villain saw it, and had the staff take it down and throw it away. And now it is hanging in the, um, the student dormitory stairwell so so they can all laugh at it while they they go about their business and then it got nice. taken down <laughs> thrown away and and now it is hanging in uh it's hanging in in a uh one of the outdoor spaces i think i put it in the hay on the on the barn to to the the livery stable um and of course it'll be taken down and thrown away and the students will find it again and hang it back up so um they they are well within their they're they're about halfway through the story now um and this was supposed to be just kind of a a five or six session run just this this first story so that our our 5e dm can get up to speed on the giants we're going to do the the um i forget the name of the module but it's a hardcover 5e i knew it last time but yeah yeah nobody cares uh, so that's, that's what's happening in my Monday group. Uh, villains are being exposed. Oh, Storm King's Thunder. Storm King's Thunder. Yep. Thanks, Neverwinter. All right. So how's your five E game going? It's going okay. Um, group made it from the dwarf town that they were at at the north. They found a fragment of an ancient relic in the dungeon there, and have assumed correctly that the other two X's on the map given to the warlock by his patron who is a god um, are also fragments of this relic which is the property of another god who originally gave it to the first elves so a lot of deific involvement in the history of my world um, but now they are down uh, farther south at the, uh, I do seasonal elves, so the summer elvish capital of Thernagel, and there they have met with one of the premier explorers in the Explorers League, um, and are collecting information about the next place that they want to go, which is, uh, they have correctly guessed, um, a site that the explorers had looked into uh, like 50, 40 or so years ago um, called the Sunken Sanctum. And so that'll be the next dungeon that they run. So, nice. yeah, we, we, we did the dwarf one. We're going to do this one. Um, they've got one more X, which maybe they'll go do. So they've got, you know, option for three dungeons. Uh, and then they've also been sort of putting off going to one of the characters' homes because um, the reason that they're collecting these pieces of this relic are to use them as a, a bartering chip or reagent um, to convince one of the character's parents, who is a powerful alchemist, um, to help one of the other PCs uh, extend his life so that it can match 
the expected lifespan of his elvish betrothed, because that's the only way that he can marry her. Ah. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it, they've the players have created a pretty good bit of story in it, in and amongst everything that we're doing. Nice. Um, but there are kind of deific ties to a lot of the things that I do now that I'm kind of laying it all out there. Um, maybe I'm bad at abstraction, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So okay. I've said deific a couple of times. We meet, we're talking about gods in our fantasy worlds, so none of the deities that we reference as being fictional or having been self-created or not. What's the disclaimer? Like, these things are not meant to be intended replicas of pre-existing people. Any coincidences, any resemblances is purely coincidental. Coincidental, yeah. So, and and I, I think I've made some references to, to some Christianity in, in the discussion in the notes, but yeah, we're and and even even role play well i mean think about role play games call of cthulhu which is set in the us in the 1920s there's a there's a christian i mean there there are you know, there are priests and that kind of stuff so yeah i mean there's priests clerics there's religion in all of these games sure but but i think i think what you're trying to say is our discussion is focused on fantasy role play religion and where it Blade bleeds over into what could be construed as the real world is not. Mm -hmm. So yep. don't uh, don't throw shade at us if we say something about Zeus or Apollo, and you're like, "Damn it, I'm a polytheistic Greek. You guys are assholes." It's like, no, no, <laughs> we're, we're talking about that's all we're talking about here, right? As they pertain to fantasy, right. Um, so deific involvement being, or divine intervention, not being like the 5e cleric ability specifically, but being, having gods interfere or play a part in a story in a fantasy game. Um, sure, and, and to be system agnostic, right, there is the invoke patron spell in the DCC rule set, which is similar, I think, to divine intervention on the cleric side you you basically cast the spell and however high you roll uh something your god will bestow something upon you whether it's smiting your enemies or healing you or there's there's one yeah i wasn't i just want i had said divine intervention so i didn't want right you don't want the five by that the, the, those five diehard 5e people to wait that's just one spell right no 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 talking about it in a narrative sense so um so how do you use it I, well so i proposed this episode at the like in the post show last time and you were excited to talk about it because you don't love it right so i have and i put this way down in the in the show notes but let's I, let's hit the nail on the head you don't love it I don't well so I don't like the way it gets presented in most games because I don't like and this is me personally right this is just opinion according no, I, to I, I definitely definitely but it's I a good starting like point games that have a well-known and fixed cosmology I just don't like it I, for for whatever reason I I mean and and I think the biggest example I throw out there is Vampire the Masquerade 
So in Vampire the Masquerade, you are a vampire. Um, you're 13 or 14th generation, which means you are, you've been sired by someone who's been sired by someone who's been sired 13 ways back to Cain from the book of Genesis and in the Bible, right? He's the guy played by David Cross in, in the year zero <laughs> movie. Very funny movie, but, you know, very sad. He kills his brother Abel, uh, and then he gets marked by God, um, according to the Bible, and he is the first vampire, and he creates all the other vampires. So there's no there's no mystery. There, there are no questions, right? Everybody knows you. This is what a vampire is, and if I'm a Toreador, that means my bloodline is descended from the Toreador antediluvian. I used Methuselah in the show notes, and that's wrong. Um, yeah, that's fine. That antediluvian was, you know, Toreador was begat personally by Cain. And it's like, that's just so, you know, if you read Interview with a Vampire. So that's not, right? that's not deific. So, but it's, but it's, yes, because Cain interacted directly with God. Well, um, sure, but that's like more of a character backstory issue, right? So, so, and, and that's, and that's, you, you have hit my nerve a hundred percent. Um, it create, instead of having the world be mysterious and complex and rich, uh, and a place of wonder, you have basically just written the backstory for Cain and by abstraction, the backstory for God. So, um, Open, open up the five e books, deities and demigods, or any of the other, or the D and D books. Demi, deities and demigods is a advanced D and D book. But right there's Moradin, the god of the dwarves, and it's very clear what he is and what he stands for and where he came from. And so isn't all... isn't that real life? Hmm. So I, I don't like depending on so. like there are certain like I mean. Christianity is that way, right? You can trace it all back to Adam and Eve. Like, there's no mystery about it. God plays a role, but like, does God play a role in everyday life? Right. That's sort of right. And 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 the and it's open to interpretation, right? So if you talk to a Seventh Day, and I know we said we wouldn't do real religions here, but if you talk to a Seventh Day Adventist, they say yeah. that the holy day is Saturday. That's the whole. That's one of one of their disagreements with Catholicism and Episcopalianism and and other Christian sects is that it's that's sect s e c t, is that they've interpreted Scripture in a different way than others, which is which is that's that's what I'm missing in in the games, right? And and I guess it's just either because. Mm. You know, rules as written, W A R, um, or raw, W raw, <laughs> rules as written has Moradin. He is the father of the dwarves, and he does blah 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 blah. And there isn't that rich tapestry of well, you know, that's that's the 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 uh, traditional dwarves Moradin religion. There's a Orthodox Moradin religion. Oh man. Yes only use anvils right there it's all I, of I, this coming from the guy who sings the praises of Loth. and and same thing right what's up there, what's up with that I, I because it's simple i mean 
it's it's a simplify. I guess that's the problem I have with with de with what we're calling uh, deific de involvement or divine intervention is that it it it's either I think people see the rules as they are written and mm -hmm. they just say this is it boom no no mystery no adventure no oh, okay. i don't want to say there's no thought i think and i don't I, i'm not accusing you gms out there of being lazy no i don't think that you need to create a four thousand year backstory of the various churches of lolf and you know your orthodox church of lolf and your well you know, formed church of lolf now you could you could, and and I think that that would give your game that that kind of rich religious tapestry across. But then I, again, I think that's where we might. That might be one of the maybe it's a homebrew versus module kind of thing. It it could be it could be and and plus, how many tabletop role players out there are playing a game so that they can explore uh, a rich religious tapestry between various. Um, denominations right well no, so there's probably at least one but oh, go ahead. there's probably at least one right but very few overall would be right. my guess and and i think that's the that's the um that's the rub for me now I, right. I think monty cook i think does it really really well in numenera mm -hmm. right and and it's not necessarily religious and 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 divine intervention, but the whole idea of the world is weird and strange, and there's things you're going to find in this world that don't have an explanation, or their original explanation doesn't make any sense because the people who invented that device or built that building have been dead for uh, a billion years. Yeah, I mean, there's not really any focus on religion in Numenera, right? Like, it's just not... Is it even touched no, upon? I I would have to reread the the rules, but well, don't but don't, don't worry about it. But that's what you yeah. were talking about, right? Like the focus is not on that at all. And right. in like five E or Pathfinder, you have a section right at the top of your sheet that says alignment. And when you ask a DM, "Hey, what does this mean?" They're gonna say, "Oh, well, that has to do with this alignment chart." And here's a funny Lord of the Rings one that you can look at online. And these are the gods that are that alignment, especially if you're a cleric who played in 3.5, like, right. and I really liked what you said about, you know, not again, you know, not accusing DMs of being lazy and not writing all of that stuff. However, comma, that that's, I, have been i've started doing some writing that is exactly that stuff and i do like i mentioned in the recap apparently lots of the stuff that i do is pretty divine divinely influenced right and yeah. i i have this much later in the notes as well um but like the greek gods being very very forward and present in a lot of those myths and those you know that period of mythology is often something that we look at as being kind of fantastical um, and I guess I, I really like the, uh, the bits of that that play into the world lore being the kind of person that really, really likes to homebrew. Um, mm -hmm. but I, so in terms of, 
So you you could theoretically take any system that has a pre-established pantheon and and flesh it out in your own sense. And I like what you would be looking for is like eight different dwarves that all follow Moradin but are interpreting his teachings differently. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. And 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 the dwarf race might not be a good good measure for that because dwarves are pretty uh, stubborn and right. specific and but for Lolf, um, there there may be a, a ref, you know a, a a universalist the universalist Church of Lolf that has gender <laughs> equality as one of its its uh, its uh, its beliefs. That would be very interesting. <laughs> and and you know and they could they could go back thousands of years and pull up scripture and doctrine and and teachings and no you know if Loth truly hated males there would be no males in the demon web pits and of course there are males in the demon web pits because she has orgies and it's not all you know girl on girl there's there's guys there so <laughs> well how do you make more girls you know right so so you can't you know, you know you, yes they're they're lesser um or, or maybe they're not supposed to be lesser. Maybe they're supposed to be equal, and we just we, we haven't learned that lesson yet, or or that you're interpreting. So that so that's 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 what I'm looking for more is that interpretation um, versus the God shows up. You know, the clouds part, and there's God, and he's like, "I've got a quest for you, Arthur. Go find this cup." Oh, okay. <laughs> so is that something that that's a no in your book? Don't do that. I, it depends, right? So, so it depends on how you're going to use it. Okay. And it, it depends why you're using that divine intervention as a GM. For me as a GM, it, de it really depends. It's very situational right. and it's very goal oriented. So I've got a party that's way off the rails or I've got a party that's just not focused and I need them right there. They're wandering around and they're doing various things, but they're they're not being very productive. Then yeah, we uh, and obviously I'm I'm throwing a reference out to Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but the music happens and there's a bright light and the clouds part and there's God. Oh, I've got I've got one. And uh, and and go go find this cup. And now the party is focused, right? Because oh my gosh. Our God showed up and told us to go do this, and and you don't tell God no. Right. I uh, I had a there was a moral quandary in my party at one point, um, and we were playing with just three people at the time, and uh, one of them decided to wander off on their own. And I was like, well, shit, we're like kind of coming to the close of the thing. Like, you're, I'm glad that you guys did this, and it's fine, but he. I had to had to have the you wake up in a dream and you're talking to a tree that is very large and big and you know it's a god and uh they're going to tell you to go back to help their their follower um and he did but mm -hmm. Yep, that's a use for it. I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's the the other the, thing I 
I've used it for is to a party that is just rolling. It's awful. They, they just keep rolling poorly. They keep rolling poorly. If they're you know, failing on death saves, they're right. The, this adventure is going to end tonight. And, and we are only on page seven of the module. So is that D so ooh, in that case, would you do deific intervention or would you do some DM fudging die rolls? Um, I, I would depend, right, on the... And or, on the group. Again. do those mean the same thing? So, no. So I, and, and I, I do my, I do my uh, otherworldly interventions kind of as a bit, it's a big showy thing because it doesn't, it's not supposed to happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so perhaps everyone dies, but their God takes mercy on them and in a very kind of video gamey way, resets them someplace else. Well, okay. Um, or their God shows up and just as they're about to all die, wipes out this room of adversaries, puts up a, a some kind of protective boundary or spell and allows them to rest and heal before they go to the next location kind of thing. Okay. I, I agree that I don't like that kind. I don't like the deities being like present in the space. Because that I, feels a little too close to home. And, but, and I, I, but I, but again, I, when, when, uh, when I do this, that's for, again, further down in, um, I like to use the Pantheon. Right, Which... the the various levels of um, oh yep otherworldly creature. It isn't you know you don't just get Lolf. It's like oh you know hey Lolf, I, I didn't kill those four spiders. Aren't I a good guy? And then poof, there she is in front of you. Yeah, you're awesome. Um, no, she's got yaklals and demons that serve her, and high priestesses and low priestesses and acolytes and. All manner uh, of dark all servants. Manner, right? There's a whole structure. And I, I think that's one of the things that gets left out. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the deities in Demigod's book from 1983. And and that's the thing that's missing. It's like, here's Moradin. Like, cool. But doesn't Moradin, like, have... Doesn't he have a staff? Like, servants? He's got all these souls that worship him. You're going to tell me that everyone who goes to the... the the final forge uh, just sits around and, and makes horseshoes and, and three punch, you know, three hit nails on an anvil all day long. Nah, yep. he's going to wander down and go, Hey, you, you, and you with the short beard, come with me. I have something for you to do. You're going to go do this right now. And again, who's going to say no to God. Right. right. Um, so, so I, when I talk about divine intervention, very rare, like, you'd have to be in, in, in your, 20, in your mid to upper 20s from a love from a D level perspective um before Wait, what you, mid or uh, upper 20s yeah it it stops at 20 what when did yeah. that happen okay uh four so no probably not probably fifth i don't know so, it wasn't in so, three five so then i will re- rephrase that so you'd have to be 17 to 20 before the actual god would engage you directly if I'm GMing. Huh. 
like if you're a level three drow rogue and you're like oh loth i really need some help um yeah a priestess is going to show up uh a yaklil or a, or a minor demon might pop out and do something quick um but she is totally way too busy for for your low level buff what if your as part of your backstory or well i don't know not as part as your part of the gm's intended story would be that you were selected so to speak and the deity had conferred with you to deliver that information again i i don't even if you were selected i i don't think a deity is going to like of the of the millions of followers they have, they're not going to reach down and touch one. They're going to send some kind of herald or maybe or, my world's just very small. I, I, I I'm not going to accuse you of having a small world. And no, and, but like you just said, like out of the millions of followers, and I was just thinking, like I don't even know if there's you know more than two million people in the whole world, and I've got thirty-one deities, so. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's. Maybe it's just my world where that works. And and I mean, look at Fritz Lieber. Like, look at Lankmar. Well, this... so I I did just I finished the second one and started the third, and there's an awful oh, lot job. about the gods in Lankmar versus the gods of Lankmar. Yes. Yep. Which is a see that's like that I don't know those gods those go gods air quotes the gods in Lankmar do a whole lot. God of Lankmar only wake up every once in a while, and if they do, everyone poops themselves. Right, right, right. I, I it's maybe so, that's I like that I like that. And and I I like the. The re very realistic way that Fritz Lieber handles so the street of the gods right runs right to the marsh gate in Lankmar, and if your temple is close to the marsh gate where you you've rented space in the city along the street of the gods close to the marsh gate, that's the chipsy, right? That's the you're uh, you know you're a little choppy there. Like choppy, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. But you know there there's this whole economic. I, nope, you're not you're not coming through. Oh, that's terrible. What's going on? Something else is turned on. Are you hearing me now? Uh you're you're still it's just a little, you know, crankly. Hang on. Let me um switch my Wi Fi really quickly. Yep, no worries. I got a time marker in. Alright. I am switching the Wi Fi now. I am connected. Am I back? Uh, hello? Hello? Hey, you're back. Can you? I'm back. Am I better? Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. So you were so you were me... saying uh, about the Street of the Gods in Lankmar. So, yes. Before I was so rudely interrupted by the Internet gods, I was talking about the Street of the Gods in Lankmar and how Fritz Lieber 
has built into his pantheon of gods and, and his urban setting a whole economic aspect, which is brilliant, right? The Street of the Gods runs east to west through Lankmar. It starts at the Marsh Gate and temples that are closest to the Marsh Gate. That's the low-rent district. So if you don't have a lot of followers or you don't have a lot of resources, you wind up with a temple or even just a tent or like a soapbox. And yeah, you stand a, on a there box. and you <laughs> There's a nine-bladed sword, not a seven-bladed sword or an eight-bladed sword, but a nine-bladed sword, right? And, and all that Life of Brian nonsense. Sure. Um, and as you move west um, and you get closer to the temple of the gods of Lankmar, the temples get bigger and flashier and the real estate's more expensive. So you can, as a, as a religion becomes more popular, it starts out close to the Marsh Gate on the eastern side of the city and it moves to the western side of the city as it becomes more popular. Um, and I just, I loved that idea that as you gained more followers, as you got a better reputation, as you got higher followers and higher socioeconomic statuses, you started to move, you know, you'd, okay, we're not, we're going to stop leasing that temple and we're going to buy that temple. You know, we're, we're going to buy real estate because we can afford it now. Um, and then as a religion became less popular, as a deity became less uh, worshipped, you would start marching to the east. It's like, oh, we can't afford this temple anymore. We're going to have to sell it. <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty just, cool <laughs> system. And those, the, the gods, you know, well, the gods in Langmar are, you know, people, more or less. And it is... People or ideas or philosophies. I mean, that's the other thing that Lieber does that's brilliant is, right... It's, it's kind of ambiguous. Jug, right. It's it's very ambiguous. It's very mysterious, right? There's no one answer. There's no like, oh yeah, that's the guy. He created the world and this is how it happened. Are there Which any I... ambiguous systems that you like besides that one? Like, are there other ones that I just don't know about um... that handle that well? Because I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm taking this as an opportunity to reflect on my own world building, and I've got, you know, the 31 deities, and they have one of, so one of the characters in my group is the druid, who has had her god talk to her directly and ask favors of her, and is kind of grooming her. Um, and then they've, I've got the warlock, whose patron is a god. Although, in my, so in my world, I've got uh, there's the 11 realms, and each realm has a, a deity, a demigod, and a warden. So, in comparison to, to something else, that's kind of those lesser gods, the high priestesses, if you will. So the warden of one of the realms is the warlock's patron in my group, and he's had conversations with her. Um, and then that whole chapter one arc with the, the dark journals was about a deity who wanted to consume the world, um, who, after they started touching the the, the dark books and uh, exploring that evil magic a little bit, started to speak or rather shout to them in their nightmarish dreams. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. I do it a lot, but are there other systems that do that in a way that could help me have that be enjoyable for both folks who enjoy that and folks like you who want the mystery? 
I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the shelf and I'm thinking, um, do I need, do I need to write something right now? So I'm the first to like, well, so, so the, I don't, I, I mean, like Numenera doesn't have a big spiritual religious tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, neither does traveler, neither does mouse. Like I'm, I'm looking at the shelf here. I, I, you know, the one I would have to go revisit is probably RuneQuest. Huh. From chaos, they they have various religious traditions, but they're much more. I mean, it's a Greg Stafford game, so it's it's coherent and connected and and well researched. So here's a question. Uh, sure. Do you think it could be? It's. Give me a second. Let me phrase this correctly. Um. Do you think that people, specifically DMGMs, who read through the content of a source book before they, who are using source material, if there is something omitted from the source material, if it is, gosh, if it's better experientially for both the players and the DM, if there is something included in the source material or not so i guess the what i'm trying to say is if you have 5e and i don't know if it's the player's handbook or the dmg but you go to the deities section and you've got the page and the 12 gods that they talk about and it's moradin and he's the father of the dwarves and all of that or if you look at lankmar which just simply there's just no explanation for it if you were going to, do you think that DMs would be, that the experience would be better if you didn't have that? So, it, like, if you don't have something that provides a template and you want that in your game, you're either going to not do it or you're going to create it yourself and come up with something new and wild and funky. I, I, th- I, think, I think it depends on the group and it depends on the story. So, if if it's a story that doesn't really care, if, if your group really doesn't care about religious traditions and spirituality, it's, you know, I have an alignment. I, I have an alignment and I filled out deity because it's on the, it's on the character sheet, but they don't participate in religious rituals. They don't tithe. They don't, you know, they don't even curse uh, using, you know, you know, Loth's hairy leg <laughs> mm-hmm. is a, is a drow curse. And if you're playing a drow and you're using, you know, f-bombs and and gd um you know if you're using english north american curses then you, you know your party pro- your group probably won't care right uh, but if if your group if you have a a religious heavy spirituality heavy game they might um, so so what about like so i just to take it a step beyond the deific part in terms of the, you know, if a source is provided versus if one is not, like, even if it's not deities, if it was, um, I don't know, the the thing that keeps coming up for me is, uh, like, alchemy and herbalism and crafting, where there's okay. not something like that in the base set, so people have had to come up with those, and I've seen a couple lately, which is why I think of it. Do you think that that's better, or would it be better if they included that? So... 
either for deities or for crafting or like what if they just didn't even include wizard spells what if they just said this is how wizards cast spells and effects can range from you know touch isolated damage to area of effect depending on the energy expended by the wizard so so that's i mean now you're describing fate and fudge the, those systems right okay there, there are no there are no mechanics for for magic and fate or or fudge um huh. like you know not, not like we're used to in other systems where here you know here's a chart of spells um and if you roll this this is what happens i'm looking at the dcc book but same thing in D and D, right? Oh, if you cast magic missile at level one, this is blah 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 blah. Um, there, there are systems where that that's not defined. You define it with the GM as as it happens. Huh. I guess uh, I, I've 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 seen stuff from Fate, and you've talked about it a couple times. So I guess I need to check that one out. Yeah, that one's it's it's interesting. It's it's a very lightweight, low, low crunch game. Nice. I didn't mean to take us too far away, but I. I... I got stuck in my mind, and I wondered. Um, no, but the, but I I think I think the trap I I think the the caution I'm looking at the show notes again. I think the caution here is that people will see rules as written, and that's it, right? Yeah. The, the book the book says the, the only you know Morden's the god of the dwarfs, and you know I I like. Um, the dwarfs it's a book from a german author mike marcus heights um and in that realm the dwarves worship rockus um and rockus is really pretty much just moradin with a different twist um <laughs> Basically. but but that's you know i i'm a dwarf from 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 far away and in, in some other place other than Faerun. maybe i worship rockus and when i well, who's rockus well he's you know the father of the dwarves and he carved the five families out of stone it's like what five families it's like these five families you know these folks and and it's just there's a whole religious tradition in the book um which is fabulous um and you know but why not you know well well Morden. so i i think that's the caution for gms is if you have a group that likes kind of that mystery exploration don't be afraid to Start with what's in the book as a the, what's in the book you should view as a starting point, a, a diving board, not the whole thing. Hmm. Right? These aren't yeah. this isn't yeah. board game rules where these are the seven choices available to you. No, you right. can do anything with what you have. I mean, that's and, the, the whole point is creativity, and that's that's what I love about DCC, not necessarily in the spells and and patrons and religion religions portion but in the monster portion um in dungeon crawl classics it isn't you know in in 5e an orc is an orc is an orc right orcs are faceless nameless they they have stats and you you beat them up and take their stuff um but in dungeon crawl classics if there is a war band of orcs the people, the villagers in Dungeon Crawl Classics have never seen orcs. They don't know. So it could be the hill demons. And it's like, oh my god, hill demons? Let me look that up in the monster manual. You know, and they're, <laughs> they're purple with horns and, and, and tails and, and fangs and forked tongues. And there's a whole set of tables in DCC to 
change the appearance of your orcs so they aren't just you know generic orc one generic two um that's very cool and and that creates that mystery right because especially in high high and low fantasy settings you have to remember those people like the people who live in lankmar they probably have seen the inside of lankmar like going to the palace the the rainbow palace they've probably done that once or twice in their life Hmm. and the rest of their life is spent in the same six block area inside the city right right and and if you are a villager in a villa in in faerun right if you're if you're in one of the villages outside luskin you've probably went to luskin once or twice in your whole life Right? right. I can't. When I was a child, my grandfather took me to Luskin to see the ships. Wow. You know that. And, and that would be something you'd tell in a tavern uh, to entertain your friends, because the other 50 years of your life, you woke up, you fed the chickens, you went to the field and cut some wood. You brought the firewood in. You took the firewood. You loaded it in your ox cart. You took it to market. You bought some supplies. You put them in the ox cart, you went back home, you fell asleep, you did it again and again, again. And, and, uh, so, so that's, I think where the, the, that's, that's my caution is that, you know, we read all the rules, players and GM, so we read all the books. I, I love it. I, mean, not, I have a whole three bookshelves, bookcases full of role playing. <laughs> right. I love them and I read them and I devour them. But I, you have to remember as a GM that your NPCs haven't read all of the rules. Yeah, in fact, your sure. NPCs probably can't read, and some of your heroes can't read. And your heroes, well, the player has read the whole book. If you're a dwarf in Faerun from Gauntlegrim, you, you don't know anything about Kalimshan. You don't know anything about Cholt or or jungles right mm-hmm. or ships because you know i mean I, I i was i try to connect it to video games when i can if you've ever played the the old dragon age and it's old now i realize that um the dragon age origins if you're walking around ozamar some of the npcs there are like did you come from the outside my dad told me i'd fall into the sky if i leave the cave yes and, and it's like, it's that kind of mentality of, you know, I have I have my own little circle and and the stuff inside my circle is true and everything outside my circle, whether it's raw or not, my that, that person doesn't know and shouldn't know and shouldn't be concerned about. Hmm. And I, I think re- that's the oh go ahead. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. I I, I really like that. So I have kind of this, as far as cautions go, um, and you have mentioned the word abstraction a couple of times. So, yeah, so I saw that the, down here. Yeah, so so one of the cautions I have for GMs, especially new GMs, because uh, one of the cons for this type of behavior or this type of thing in your adventure is that you have to GM an omniscient and trans-dimensional creature doesn't have to be but in in most cases right 
Moradin, Lolf, the surface elves, whoever they worship, whatever fool that is. Sure, um, that's 5e, but like... But there's, but there, there's got to be are... other things where you're not like... I don't know. What about if there was an alien deity in the alien RPG, right? But they're not... right. Omni or like the uh, the the gods in Lankmar, right? They're not omniscient. No, they're not. So so I guess yes. I, I flipped over to five E. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I'm just trying to be. That's just trying to be. No, but that one wide. of the cons is right on the on that on the upper end of the spectrum. It's a spectrum, right? We've yeah, got the sure. I'm the charlatan, right? I'm a high level bard with high charisma. And I'm passing myself off as a, a priest. Oh, I, I did this for my group. Um, um, it's actually I created I created a religion. We were playing um, Savage Worlds Lankmar, um, and I created the Church of the the Mammoths. The and Mammoth. The Church of the Mammoths. M A M I S. Okay. And. The, the followers of the Church of the Mammoths find women on the streets in Lankmar and anoint their breasts with oil. Okay. As part of a blessing. Okay. Sure. Now, it's a sham. What they're basically doing is they're getting everyone to look at a topless woman while they rob them. So... There's the there's the palanquin with the priestess who's also not wearing a shirt. Um, and then following the palanquin, dressed as normal commoners, are a small band of thieves. So as everyone is distracted by this topless woman trying to get another woman to take her top off, the thieves run through the crowds. Nice. Right. That's that's the charlatan. Okay. Right, that's the low end of this spectrum. The the people who are just making this up as they mm -hmm. go along for some alternative motive. And that is the awesome. other end of the spectrum <laughs> for me is God. Right, the other end of the spectrum for me is Yahweh, the one true God, um, the right, the all, all powerful, omniscient, can see in seventeen directions at once, knows the past, present, and future. Right, so so that's my spectrum from. Uh, charlatan using religion to for their own selfish purposes all the way up to that omnipotent omniscient de deity okay so if you're playing on the high spectrum that that's that's where my con that's why i talk about this in my cons like i, I don't i i can only see in three dimensions okay i experience time linear linearly me personally um so when I'm trying to role play that superhuman 27 intelligence, 35 charisma person, personage, I, I, um, I tell people to abstract. Abstraction is your friend. So instead of trying to role play that, just say the clouds part, you can see the face of your deity and they impart to you a message that makes you feel this way. Boom. And sometimes players will chafe at the loss of agency, but that's you know that that's what you get when you are interacting with an all-powerful being. They they've yeah. already 
seen your your reactions or your responses. They can measure your heart rate and your breathing and all measure you on a quantum level as they're talking to you and they know exactly what to say next to make you feel something that they are trying to get you to feel. They've already that that deity has already seen into the future to see, yep, that was the right thing to say to that person at that time. So that's where I say abstraction. Just you know the clouds part and there's Moradin and Moradin makes an appeal to your religious beliefs and your woman heritage and it you with this outcome. And and if your players will well, you know, what does he really what does he say? It's like I, I don't know, I'm not more than I'm just human GM. Right, right. So that's, um, my, that's hmm. what I mentioned those topics. Okay. I mean I I guess it it comes down to how you want to present the deities as far as how I guess how mysterious you'd want them to be. Um, oh, I guess we lost you. Fifty-three. No, I'm. Oh, all right. Skype gave me a bloop, 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 bloop. Oh no, am I still here? Uh, hello. Hey. I didn't drop. No. Hello. Okay. You're 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 not. You're a little. Nope. Nope. Am I? How about now? Nope. How about now? No. Nope. Uh, now? Yep. There you go. I'm find hey a there. place to put my phone where it's getting getting more bars. Okay. So what I was gonna say is, I mean, we could look at we could look at other pop culture stuff like Disney movies, like Hercules, right? Zeus is in Hercules, the, yes. the god, the father Heck of the yeah. gods. Greek it's, gods. It's a Greek thing, right? And he, and he talks to Hercules because he's his dad. Um, and I just, I mean, yes, it's mythology and it's fun and everything. Um, in that context, I think it works. But I'm also kind of, you know, when I watch that movie, I'm sitting there going, if Zeus is the father of the gods and he's all powerful or semi all powers, <laughs> mostly powerful, like, you should know that the Titans are going to bust out. Like, what what's going on here? Because <laughs> they're because um, I, I don't think they're portrayed as all powerful in the Greek pantheon. Because they each have dominion over different things, and Zeus's dominion isn't fate. Like they're all still beholden to forces that are beyond them. Yeah, I yeah no, that's that's a good point. That is a good point. I think that's how I think about my world too. Because I, when I started to, when I was first asked, like, hey, what are gods like in this world? Like, who, when I prompted with, you know, like, wh what sort of warlock patrons would you have here? Um, I started to think about it, and I wanted to do the, you know, polytheistic pantheon and um, have it, a, so have a, no, that's not right, multi-theistic pantheon with different, citizens with varying levels of theistic beliefs um but i 
took time when I was doing that to reflect on, you know, my own existence and my own interpretation of God and not to be religious in uh, the the real, real world, real sense. Um, but as I was designing my world, I was thinking, I am truly the God of everything that exists that has been a creation of my consciousness and imagination. And so similar in Greek mythology to whatever fates or forces formed them initially, I have formed a pantheon of deities that in a very Greek mythology way interact with the people of my world. But I guess I like that, right? I don't know. I, got, I had to study a lot of Greek mythology in school, so may, maybe it was just me. No, and that, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to think back to Lisa Smedman's uh, The Lady Pentinent series um, and a, another book about drow, you know, Forgotten Realms book about drow. Go figure. That's what I'm mentioning on the show. Uh, but um her her books are um they start with an with the the prologue of Lolf playing sava which is the drow version of chess with elastra and they make a couple of moves on the sava board and then there's the book there's the actual story mm -hmm. of you know Lolf moves this priestess elastra takes this demon and and so they you know they kind of talk about the, the the board the game that's being played and then the rest of the book is how it plays out on the material plane with the mortals who yeah. are the pieces. That's very yeah. cool. And it's very cool. And Lolth and Alistair are playing for you know if if Alistair wins, Lolth's defeated, and Lolth has to give Alistair the demon web pits, and if Lolf beats her daughter, then Alistre has to turn over her priestesses and believers to, to Lolf. Um, and they're following rules, and there's another deity that they, right, if, if they break the rules, the, there's some other god above them who's going to come down and, and cause trouble for them. Ooh, I like that. I kind of do that. I have yeah, the, with that, that babysitter that god. Weird, yeah, you know, that whole demigod versus full god versus you know omniscient super being right i call them wardens wardens right you've called them wardens i think deity demigods is how they're phrased in advanced dungeons and dragons yeah mythology might call them titans titans yep same same idea titans or demigods and and we see that another like like sigmar sigmar started out as a guy in Warhammer. Oh, okay. Gosh, I was like, which which one are we talking? Because there are dwarves named Sigmar, and Sigurd is a bear War from something. Warhammer Fantasy, right? Sig the Sigmar. Sigmar, yep, the emperor. Yeah. He's he's the he's the deity of the humans in Warhammer Fantasy, um, and he started out as a guy. He he was alive. He was a person. Mm -hmm. Um, and some amazing things, and became a god. Oh, that like uh, Talos in Skyrim. Talos, I was gonna say that's Skyrim, right? Talos mm -hmm. became a god. Um, man, very. I don't know. I guess you have to look at if you're 
if your group is interested in any of this, right, you talk about it in the, I don't know. See, because we're getting, I feel like a lot of the topics that we've covered up to this point include session zero considerations. Like, do you want evil characters? Like, are you going to tell your players that you fudge rolls or not? Are you going to, like, what does alignment mean and how do you explain that to people? Like, these are all session zero things. I feel so, like we're so... getting to a point where we're starting to talk a little bit past that. Although, you could ask in session zero if there were any players that were, you know, opposed to having religious intervention in their game, either That's... for real world purposes, you know, I, hey, I'm religious in real life, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to play around with false gods and your dungeons and dragons and devils and all yeah. of that all of that madness um or if people are just like nah doesn't matter not interested like you you're not for sure i you know i wouldn't gear an adventure like that towards you but my players seem to enjoy it so i i may or may not end up doing more in the future although now sure. that we've been talking about it so much i'm gonna have to field that and and see what they think so this is that's something Red Hoodie should probably publish, right? We're we're we've we've been slowly over the past twenty four episodes been building a session zero checklist. Ooh, kinda. You should you should totally publish that on Red Hoodie. Heck yeah. Session zero here, checklist. Here, here are the thirty five questions to answer the in 35. session zero. <laughs> that you well, could answer. Well, you don't have to. Yeah, no, you know, is this important to you, yes or no? Is, is this important to you, yes or no? Yep. What's your limit for violence? What's your limit for uh, occult and, and devil worshipping? What's your, you know, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that'd be pretty good. So did we get through pros? We talked about pros. A little uh, a little bit. Um, we you, you have one in here that, you know, what the gods said, we kind of touched on the idea of, like, you're not going to tell God no, but you right. have it in here that I laughed at this when I read it. Who's going to insight check Jesus? Like, because right. I have very paranoid players, and if I sent some nobody, they'd be like, oh, let's knock them out, tie them up, cast suggestion on them, and zone of truth, and make them tell. Like, I did that once. I had a little street girl in the city toss a rock at one of the players to try to get their attention quietly from an alley. And the guy, like, yells from the street, hey, who is that? And she, like, retreats into the shadows because she's like, shit, I don't want anyone to see me because she's in, she's a, she was a gnomish intelligence broker, basically, information broker. Um, and so they, like, retreat in, and the guy, like, I forget if he dimension doored or misty stepped. It wasn't. It was the, the bard dimension doored with the barbarian behind her in the alley. And the barbarian just like grappled her super easy, scoops her up, and is just like holding there for them to just like interrogate and threaten, and it's it's terrible. Um, but that is oh, I forget how we how we got there. Throwing rocks, little things. No, and, um, and that, I mean that's I, yeah. So if you if you have a party like that and you need them to believe oh, something, yes. then yes, you know. Mo uh, a herald of Moradin shows up. It's a flaming anvil, and there's a booming voice. And an old dwarfish says, "You must stay here two more nights." Boom. Yep. You, 
Oh, I'm going to insight check. You really, you're going to insight check. <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to do it. Flaming anvil with a booming dwarfish voice. Okay. <laughs> um, that one. You think it's junk? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh man. Um, and then, and then for cons, um, we talked about trying to be omniscient. Um, and, and then the other thing too is all members might not be devout believers. On the omniscient note and the devout, I mean, on, on both of those, I want to add to that. Because um, I agree that trying to have omniscient gods is a con for the DM as the storyteller. Because if you, if you the DM, are... So, like I had said, I'm the god of my world because I gave birth to the other gods, but... Even I don't know everything that my players are going to do. So you don't necessarily have to, or rather you shouldn't roleplay the gods. If you are going to roleplay them at all, you shouldn't roleplay them as omniscient because that removes the possibility of player agency. And you mentioned that earlier, but I think that's important to circle back to that deific intervention sometimes can remove a mortal or a PC's options to do so if if somebody really wants to do something you're like ah i can't let it happen because it's going to ruin this story i'm going to have that god step in now that player starts to go well does it matter do my actions matter at all and you want to avoid that so i'll add that as a addendum to the con plus a caution Mm -hmm. no because it does totally take agency away from the player yeah for sure absolutely it's tricky to know how and when to use it right. I do a lot of dreams, um, and two of my players have kind of religious storylines, the, the Warlock and the Druid, so um, they have their own sort of experiences, be it through their meditations, because they're both half-elves, or through their uh, actions and the, the magical items that they have. Um, I, I do dreams and visions, and it's. I, I don't know if any of them have ever physically been in the same space, although their perception might have been altered to be such as that. So I guess that's another way that you can use them. A little like DM tip is that even though a deity may be presenting to a mortal, it may not be the god that is in the clouds. It may be the god projecting their face into the clouds, but they're not. I don't know, even that's more direct than what I do, because I usually do dreams and visions, and, you know, uh, for Asha, the goddess of life, her face just appears in a tree, or she's a white wolf in the forest, and is it, it doesn't speak, it just communicates to you as you walk through the brush, like, nice. I, I try to do, I, I don't know, I guess I try to do a nice mix of abstraction while still being able to get that sort of Greek mythology level awesomeness going. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. It is tricky. It is tricky. I I guess I would say, and you've you've sort of swung me a little bit. I'm gonna keep doing it, but I have a little bit better respect for it, and we'll try to use it a little bit more sparingly. I think in the future. Well, that that brings me to one of the bullets I put under cautions is. Um, you know how 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 much religion is in your game, and 
if the piece if the PCs aren't going to church, if they're not attending rituals, if they're not tithing or meditating or praying on a regular basis, that that's where I, I get as a player when a GM's like, oh, why don't you give me a religion check? We'll see if your God helps you. It's like, really? Because I ha haven't attended a, a Loth orgy in like six years. So I, I don't really think she's going to pay attention to me. <laughs> right. Uh, you're, you're not not too impressive. Huh? Right. Uh, well, that's I mean, that's that's the thing. Like if, if you're going to do a lot of a lot of. Uh, divine intervention type stuff as a GM, then I'm not saying you need to police your players, but your 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 cleric should be attending some kind of service or conducting. I mean, they're clerics; they should be conducting some kind of service. Yeah, was, I I did that like um, when I was playing Curse of Strahd. Um, I would I would hold a Morden's Mass every long rest. Nice. Uh, and my party's like, "What are you doing?" It's like, uh, "I'm building a fire because it's time for Morden's Mass." Like, do you do you want to pray with me? What are you, <laughs> do you doing? Mordenism? <laughs> and they're like, "No." It's like, okay, well then leave me the hell alone. Right. No, that's and pretty I, good. I, and and that's but that's I feel better as a player. Um. Because I, I think, and, 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 you know, this Judeo-Christian raised Catholic, you know, you're supposed to go to mass, you're supposed to go to church, you're supposed to be in good standing. Like, if I'm a cleric of a religious faith, then I should be in whatever good standing means for that, for that faith. Sure, sure. No, that makes sense. And, and if you're not, then, you know, again, why are you, you you're, you're deific, in your, your divine intervention is probably going to be Morden saying, "Hey, I haven't seen you in church in a, in a couple of months. Uh, you you ha you haven't uh, you haven't smelted any gold in my name in the last year. Like, what the hell's going on?" <laughs> right. Damn. No, that that is a good point. Get the if you're gonna do it, get the players on board. And my players definitely. I had the the druid the first time they went to um, a, a really proper elvish city after she had left home and they were in plains and human places for a while um they had a, a shrine right in the middle and like the first thing she did as the party is like trying to go over to this place to talk to this person she's like hey guys i'm gonna be a half hour and like kneels down and prays so right i i think that i think that she likes that and i feed into it because she does and so having pcs on board with because, I mean, like, at the end of the day, divine intervention and deific involvement are storytelling mechanisms. And if your party, your players, if you enjoy that as part of the story, then do it and roll with it. And if not, then be careful with it for all of the reasons that we have mentioned. <laughs> right. And I think you, you really need to read the RuneQuest core rulebook. I guess so. Because it's a Bronze Age high fantasy and it's all that mythic, you know. There, there are gods walking on Glorantha. I guess I should. I do like. I, it's, I don't do. I don't do quite that much, but. But it's no. But if I mean, you've you've mentioned Greek mythology many many times, and that's it. Have as a strong. It it has a very strong connection to that type of storytelling. 
Well, cool. Excuse me. So, yeah, if, and that's and I uh, wish I, I have I've, I've been reading a lot of other books, and and so I just I read that core rule book a couple of years two years ago, um, and and it struck me as kind of that Clash of the Titans style, uh, the Odyssey. Um, types of stories like your your party gets together bands together and goes off to do some epic thing and and it's it's very cool it's very very cool but i'm i'm immersed in 7th c second edition right now and i, I have no desire to come out come up for air yet no <laughs> that's desire. all right um so i think that is probably the show Okay. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. I uh, hope that you got something useful from it. I know that I did. Um, thanks a whole lot for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, the easiest way is on Twitter at JMSCO5 or at Red Hoodie Games. Um, I'm gonna look into a session zero checklist, uh, maybe as like a anniversary thing. Throw it up on the on the Patreon. Um, you can find that at patreon.com slash skoda that's s-k-o-b-a uh, and want to add in here we're going to talk about it more after but our next show is going to be the one year anniversary show um, it will it'll be pretty close I don't know if it'll be right on I'll have to go back and look um, when we recorded that first one uh, I think it was on December 20th of last year. It was our first one. So two Thursdays from now will be the 17th, which puts us in good shape. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we want to do something fun and special um, and hope to. So uh, definitely join us for the next one. I have rambled on long enough. Have a good night, and we'll see you next time. Good day.